Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 to 38. The sermon title is A Hard Word, because some of these teachings from Jesus can be a hard word for us to hear, and yet, I believe that God will use this time to speak into your life and mine. Listen for God's word to you today. Jesus says, but I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, this scripture passage is kind of like one of those energy bars, you know, like a power bar. It's packed full of nutrients and all kinds of things that are good for you, but it's really hard to digest. You know, it's kind of dense. There's a lot in it. And so I want to get into this teaching for us from Jesus today. But first, I want to start with that Old Testament lesson that we heard about Joseph and his brothers, which is also such an important story. I wonder if you remember the story from Genesis about Joseph and his brothers. You might have seen some of it in that hit Broadway musical, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Remember that one? It's about how Jacob, their father, favored Joseph over all of his brothers. And this leads them in their jealousy, these brothers of Joseph, to grab him, to beat him up, to throw him in a pit, to sell him into slavery and then to tell their father that he's dead. The trajectory of his life is down, down, down. But even in, with all of those terrible things that are happening to him, we're told that God is with Joseph. Even in the lowest points of his life, God is there. He's taken into Egypt where he becomes a servant in the house of Potiphar, and then he ends up in prison But then because he's able to interpret dreams, Pharaoh eventually brings him out of prison and gives him a new role to prepare Egypt for the years of famine, no food, that are coming. Joseph becomes a governmental leader, a planner, a person who helps to manage the Egyptian economy. He is said to be second in command only to Pharaoh himself. And then years later, the famine comes. And there's no grain, and there's no food anywhere. And fortunately, 
Joseph has spent those years of plenty building storehouses and store cities, a place where they can store excess grain when there's a lot of it, so that in the times of need, it's there. They use that food supply to feed their whole population. But meanwhile, in Canaan, in Israel, in in God's people's land, no one has prepared for this famine. So Joseph's brothers, those same brothers, they end up going down to Egypt looking for food to buy in order to feed their families. And this is when they encounter Joseph again, but they don't know him. We were talking in our Bible study class this Wednesday about why they wouldn't have recognized their own brother. I mean, years have passed. He's grown and changed. Maybe he looks a little different. Like he took on that kind of Yule Brenner type of a look. You know what I mean? Remember that? (laughs) There he is. Um, So when they came down, um, they meet Joseph, the one who they had treated so badly. But it's striking in this story that he doesn't hit back. He doesn't seek revenge He doesn't treat them the way that they had treated him. Instead, it's this beautiful picture of mercy and grace where Joseph forgives his brothers, he helps his brothers, and he moves into a new kind of relationship with them. Now, I want to say, I I doubt that he and his brothers are going to have the same kind of relationship that they would have had if none of this had ever happened, right? Life happens. It, It affects us. It's never going to be out the way that it was, but he's able to move forward through this merciful, gracious action. So this little story, this little family story, is part of the larger narrative arc of the way that God cares for and is active with God's people. So even in hard times like Joseph had, we see the way that God was there working. That's the story of the Bible. God's people, the Hebrews, were in danger from famine. And they could have been wiped out, right? This is this Old Testament story. They could have been wiped out by a famine, and we never would have heard of them, just like so many other peoples and nations and families from thousands of years ago. But it turns out God had been at work even before the famine came, even before the moment of crisis. Three times in this text, Joseph says, God has sent me ahead of you. God is the one who sent me here to prepare for this moment. Joseph is God's own chosen agent, and God works even through the pain and the hurt to bring out something different. Even in this, in this hard and broken family relationship, which may never be the same, God is still present and active. I think this is such good news. Isn't it good news? God is present and active even in those parts of our lives that are not going right. Normally we think, hey, something is going wrong in my life. Something is bent or broken or bruised. I've messed up or someone has done me wrong. And that's the end of the story. That's all there is in this troubled life. But maybe not. Because with God, the God of the Bible, the God who we get to know in Jesus Christ, there is more to the story than just what people do to each other. There's more than just how we treat each other. God is at work there, too. I remember when my uh, kids first got into school, into elementary school, and the teacher would would put them into groups, you know, small groups to work on a project in class, and uh, there was some feedback from some parents. Um, I remember this, that they would say, um, I'm concerned that my child is with these other kids who aren't at their academic level. 
Um, you know, this one's hyperactive and they're always goofing off. Uh, this other one is not a strong reader. One of them is a creative but doesn't really follow through. I want my kids to be in a different group than that. And the teacher addressed this with the parents. And she said, um, part of the academic learning of your kids is social. Part of academic learning is also social. Working with others in a group is something that they will need to be able to do at every level of life from here on out. And yeah, there's some pain in it. There's some discomfort in it. There's something that isn't a natural fit, but I'm setting you up for your own good. Teachers do that for us. Parents do that for us. And we believe in a God who goes ahead of us to prepare a way for us, who is working even when we don't get it or see it or recognize it. Which then brings us, I think, into the teaching from Jesus today. Jesus is speaking about some of the hard situations, hard relationships that we might face in this life. And let me just walk through a couple of them that he mentions. He says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Sweet. Uh, The word that the Bible uses for love is agape. When Jesus says love your enemies, it's agape love, which is self-sacrificing, self-giving love. It's, It's God's love. So Jesus says, show God's love to those who hate you. He says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who treat you badly, which is like the opposite of what we might naturally do, Um, especially some of you. Uh, So the word that he uses where he says bless those um, who curse you, the word bless is, is the same word, that Greek word in the Bible that we get our English word eulogy from. It's eulogete. It means like something, you say good words about somebody at their funeral. That's a eulogy. He says, say good words about somebody who's mistreating you, who has treated you badly. So look for the best in them. Seek to say something positive or find it in them. If someone strikes you on one cheek, he says, turn the other cheek. Don't hit them back. Don't give them what they deserve. They deserve it, but don't give it. What a hard teaching from Jesus. You know, that's hard to do in person, like if somebody physically, you know, slapped you. But imagine how it is also if you're communicating by text or in an email or on a social media platform where things can be lost in translation, tone and tenor, and um, is is hard to read. Even with a, a close friend or a spouse or a sibling, somebody you care about, It's easy to clap back at someone, to misinterpret, and maybe to come at them a little harder than you meant to. So we're called to show kind of grace and even love in those circumstances. You're probably familiar with with the main verse here, which is uh, known as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them, what is it? Do unto you. Good job, Presbyterians. But I wonder if the key verse in this whole passage is actually just one verse later in verse 36 where Jesus says, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. This is a big idea I want to give you today just as you consume it, as you eat this power bar. It's so dense. Um, I think that all of this teaching that Jesus gives us, and this is a teaching that he's giving us about how to act, how to think, how to treat people, It's really just a smaller version of what God is like. It's a smaller version, a human version, of what God has done 
and how God treats us. When we're told to do all these things that seem impossible, there's a reason for that, because those are things God has done. And our calling as followers of Jesus is to do a smaller human version of that. Be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. So I think about that story of Joseph and how his brothers had treated him so badly and how he, he somehow forgives them and moves on in a new way. It's not because he's a nice guy. You know, it's not because he says it didn't matter, it didn't hurt that much. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. It changed his life. But the fact that there's this healing possibility is a sign that God is present. The place where there's this healing possibility is a place that God is at work. You know, you think about like a broken arm, the place of hurt is a place where healing happens in the same place. God is at work ahead of us in the places where we need some TLC. And when we forgive or when we show love to enemies or when we um, give grace to someone who really doesn't deserve it, it's not because we're perfect. It's, it's a sign that God is at work in us. There's a great line from a New York Times bestselling author named Kate Bowler. She says this. She says, Perfection is impossible, transformation isn't. And I think it wouldn't all fit on one line. <laughs> Perfection is impossible. None of us, let's be serious, can fully uh, forgive everyone who's done us wrong. It's hard to do. None of us, since we're human, can give away all our clothes to the homeless or give our money to all of those who are in need or bless everybody who does terrible things to us. We're human, so, in, so perfection is impossible. But being transformed by God's power, being transformed as people as we grow up into the faith that we profess, that is the process we're in. That is the work of God in our lives. So when we do our smaller version of what God has done, forgiving, showing mercy, loving, helping, blessing, and all the rest, it's a sure and certain sign of God's work in us. When we come forward for baptism, the way Charlotte will today here at the font, it's a sign that God is at work in her life. When we come forward as new members, as this group will do today, to make, make commitments of faith and say, I want to be part of this church community, it's a sign that God is at work in us. And I wonder for you today, as you hear this message, what that would look like or what that would mean for you. I wonder if there's a step that you're feeling called to take in response to this teaching about what God is like, merciful, loving, forgiving, and how our actions, our small human scale actions can mirror that, can reflect that. It's always a risk to show love, but I wonder if you would take it. There's a saying by Bruce Arians. He's the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the last couple of years he was the coach of Tom Brady. Yes. Um, and he has a saying he tells the team. He says, no risk it, no biscuit. That's, what, that's one of his sayings. No risk it, no biscuit. If you don't throw the ball downfield, if you don't take some shots, you're not going to get the reward. You're not going to see the success. You're not going to get the place where you want to go. 
There's always a risk in a big play, right? It could be a turnover, an interception, incomplete pass. This is the realities of sports. It's true for us, too. When we take the risk to show love, it could fall flat. It could, it could not work out as we plan. But no risk it, no biscuit. I wonder what, how God is asking you to respond in your life to take a risk for love this week. The good news is God is already ahead of you in your life ahead of you in your week, at work before you know it. And so our, our response today as we move from this place is to seek to reflect God's love, to reflect God's character to the people in this waiting and watching world. I pray that you will. Amen.